Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. Okay, tonight we're talking about Islam. Uh, my very first experience, and I'm pretty sure it happened before every single one of you were born outside of leaders, uh, was September 11th. Uh, I don't know if at that point, because I grew up like rural Saskatchewan, and if you've never been to rural Saskatchewan, especially the rural part of Saskatchewan that I was at, there's just a lot of white people. Um, and like, that's not something, or the, those, that people group is not somebody that you regularly engage with. So I, I remember exactly where I was. Uh, I, I think I was, 2001, I'm not going to try and guess what grade I, went, I was in, but I, I was in elementary school, uh, and I remember walking into our library, and I remember hearing them talking about something, uh, about planes flying into, into two buildings, and, uh, or maybe at that point it was just one, and, uh, and so every, all the, I remember all the adults were talking about it, as, uh, as a, whatever age I was, I, I wasn't really engaged or didn't really clue in. Uh, on what was happening um, until I got home and my dad had uh, CTV because we had two channels and it was either that or global uh, and they were streaming what CNN was putting on and I don't really doesn't matter what you feel about CNN um, but but they were they were just live tracking and, and I remember what they were showing over and over and over again while they were talking about what was happening you just they kept showing the plane flying into one of the uh, into either the first building or the second building, and then they started talking about the Pentagon, and then the one that went down, and I think it was Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, um, and uh, and so my first exposure to Islam was seeing pictures of extremists, and and, and they were going through who had been the guys who had hijacked the planes who um, was a part of this and, and as the dots began to be connected trying to you know get it back to uh, Osama bin Laden and all that so my first taste of, 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 of Islam was not a good first impression it was not a, it, because they the, the extreme side of things the jihad which is a sixth a sixth addition to their five pillars of faith which when this happened, uh, the entire Islam community actually didn't agree, and so this was a sect in and of themselves that uh, was not a great intro to a very amazing, wonderful people group who, who love very deeply. And I have family members um, that, that, that believe and hold on to these beliefs very deeply, and, which was my second exposure, uh, which was my, my uncle who... Uh, divorced with his first wife, met this really amazing lady, uh, my auntie Nasreen, who just is one of the sweetest human beings, and oh my goodness, one of the best cooks in the world. Like, we got to go over to her in-laws place one time, and they made authentic, like, East Indian food. Oh, it was so good. But here's my first exposure, was at their wedding, my grandpa got up, prayed, he was a Christian guy, prayed, and then uh, her dad got up, prayed, um, and I remember seeing all of the ladies put their coverings over their head on, and, um, and I, I just wasn't exactly sure what was going on, what they were praying for, and just remember even seeing people on my, because it was weird, because like, the room was split down the middle, all of my family, and I know that maybe that's how weddings work, but it was literally like around a square, and all of her family was on this side, and all of my family was on 
this side, and it just felt like there was this weird divide between us. And, and I remember seeing them on the other side of the room and just saying, well, they're different than us, right? Like, and, and not really understanding, again, what they believed or who they were believing. Just remember looking over my dad, and he kind of tried to explain it a little bit. And then in and amongst that, I watched this really terrible movie called The 13th Warrior. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's really not worth the watch. I used to, it was one of those movies where you watch as a kid, and you're like, oh my gosh, that movie is the best thing in the world. And then you watch it as an adult, and you're like, this is trash. Like, this is an awful movie. And it's not because of what, uh, what I'm about to explain. Um, but the main character was, was a Muslim, and I remember him teaching um, the other characters that there is only one God and Muhammad is his prophet. That was the one line that I could remember, and seeing that. And, and then I worked in a window factory uh, when I turned 18, which is like, it's a great job. Uh, but I was a minority. I was literally one of maybe like eight white guys who worked in this factory. Everybody else was from all over the world. Uh, Asia, India, Africa, Jamaica, all over. I had friends, I was, it was just an amazing, they always brought better lunches than I did. I was so jealous of everybody else's lunch because here I am with my sandwich and then they brought what they had made like last night for dinner and it just was like, oh, I just needed to learn how to cook. And, but I worked with this older Muslim gentleman and, and I remember at, instead of coming to coffee break with us, there was a prayer room in this uh, window factory. He would, he would go up and instead of coming to coffee with us, he would go and pray. And, and then on Fridays, he would leave work early to go to his mosque and he would, uh, he would go and he would have their, their service or their prayer time that would happen there. And, and then I remember during their, uh, their season of Ramadan, which is where they fast for, for a month, and I believe it's in August, in and around that time anyways. And I remember him, like, during the day, he would not eat anything. He wouldn't come up to lunch with us because he, he couldn't eat. You, had to, you, you started your fast when the sun came up, ended it when the sun went down. And I remember him telling me, like, the end of the fast was awesome. Like, the meals that they would have at night were great, fantastic. But in all of these experiences, um, I never took the opportunity to ask what they believed or why they believed it. And I, and I, I regret it. Like, I, I, missed a, I missed an opportunity. But... I just assumed that they were wrong because of my Christian upbringing, which is not really a great way to go about just why you disagree with somebody. Figure it out for yourself. So we're going to jump in. We're going to do like that whole creation, fall, redemption, restoration piece for this again, because I think that works really well. So the origin of this religion is um, they believe that it started with a, a prophet named Muhammad. Now, a lot of their roots are actually biblical roots. They all... Uh, Judaism, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all find their origin in Abraham. Um, you remember, if you ever read the story of Ishmael, Abraham's first son that happened with Hagar because his wife couldn't have a baby, um, they believe that actually from that line, that's where uh, eventually our, our buddy Muhammad shows up. Early 7th century, they, they say that the, the archangel Gabriel appeared to him uh, and, and speech of God was given to him through this angel and uh, was revealed at Mecca during the earliest part of his career. Here, let me get that for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and uh, everybody on the podcast is going to be like, what the heck was that? Um, and they basically, he gave him ethical, spiritual teachings and all of that. Now, the creation, uh, what they believe is that nothing is being created without purpose. Humanity has been created with the purpose of serving and obeying God. Uh, their creation story f follows very closely to what uh, what we would see in, in Genesis, and um, 
and, and, and they believe that in this serving and purpose, uh, uh, serving and obeying God, that there is only one God, that God has no children, no parents, and no partners, that God was not created by a being, and there are no equal, superior, or lesser gods. Sounds familiar a little bit, hey? The fall. They believe the story of Adam in that, uh, they, they hold to that as well. Um, but it states the difference in that was that God forgave Adam's sin, which is key because what we believe in Christianity, and we'll kind of get, we're not going to touch on this a huge bit, but we believe in something called original sin. So if you read Psalm 51, that all are born with sin, that I was sinful even in my mother's womb. Um, but they think that actually when you're born, that you're born with a clean slate, um, that uh, there, there was no... Uh, there, there's no sin that you're born with, but you sin because you were born without it, but your human, your, your, your human nature is, is flawed. Um, for them, pride is really the cardinal sin. That's the, really the big one. Because that, it's, you, you, it's rebellion in God's eyes to God. Satan is part of their story as well. Um, and like I said, they believe that we were born with clean slates. Now, the redemption stories, this is really important. This is basically, if you want to know about Islam, this is, just go look at this. You can find it pretty much anywhere online. There are five pillars of faith. First being profession of faith. Now, this is something where it's like, well, uh, for us, it would be, uh, some people call it the sinner's prayer, but basically a prayer that you surrender your life to Jesus in light of what he's done. For them, it's just a profession of faith. And um, they, it says, they say that it must be done at least once in one's lifetime, out loud, correctly, and purposely. And there's an actual line of what that, that profession is. Now, they usually will do it more than just once in their life. Actually, you'll find that they'll probably do it multiple times in a day. Um, the second being prayer, five prayers a day, sunrise, after 12, in the late afternoon, right after sunset, and before bed. If I can be really honest, they're better at praying than we are. Because they actually pray. <laughs> like it's part of their structure. It's part of their routine. It's culturally. Imagine. No, I'm not going to preach. This is teaching right now. Um, and, and so they're, they're, this, is, this is part of their daily routine. This, the third is zakat, which is purification, which started off as an obligatory offering. Um, and there was a bunch of percentages on, like, if you were a farmer, you had to give this much percentage of what you made. Or if you had to do with gold or, or like, uh, I suppose said shiny objects, but I don't mean that. Like, uh, jewels, whatever I'm trying to say. And... <laughs> Aye, aye, words are hard. Um, but what it, what it eventually ended up becoming, and what you see it today, is, is actually a voluntary, a voluntary charity dependent on the in, in, uh, individual's conscience. So basically how you feel, that's how you would give. Um, third being fasting. Like I said, during the month of Ramadan, begins at daybreak, ends at sunset. Um, yeah, my, my buddy who, who, uh, who I watched uh, two years in a row he, when, when Ramadan came around, you just see by the end of the day, he was wiped. I mean, like, part of it is, like, sacrificing on the part for in obedience to God. And, and they take it very, very seriously. And, um, but apparently the meals are baller. So, um, five is Hajj. Uh, that's the pilgrimage to Mecca. Uh, for every month, they, they, they say that every Muslim in their lifetime needs to make this at least once. And... Uh, depending on if you can afford it, 
like don't break the bank to do it um, and if you're you can free up your family to go and do it um, so today like in these days about two million pilgrims will go so if you've ever seen okay who here has ever seen that picture with a big black box in the middle of like what looks like the um, uh, the Colosseum at Rome uh, and you just see a ton of people dressed in white who's seen pictures like that where it's just like a mass okay that's what that is that's like the, the the epitome of their pilgrimage where they have to go and they have to walk around this stone because what they believe is and I'll answer the question later but basically they believe that there's a meteor a black stone engraved in that or that's in that um, in that black box which is what they say is where heaven touched earth um, so it's it's very important to them um, and I, I also my same friend that I worked with he went on this as well he was gone for a whole month and, uh, and he came back he was just like on top of the world like that was that was for him what he would say the pinnacle of his religious life uh, the pinnacle of his spiritual life where this was like this was everything to him. He saved, oh, what, he told me he saved, I think, for 10 years so he could go on this trip. It was crazy, because um, it's pretty expensive. I, I, had a, I have a, a friend who, whose brother used to work for, uh, for an airline over in Europe, and basically what happened was they also have to go as cheaply as they possibly can. Um, so they were, his friend was going on a, on a flight, and they were using United Air Emirates, I believe, uh, and they bumped him up to first class because the entire coach section was filled with uh, Muslims going on their pilgrimage because they, even if they could afford it, they couldn't go in first class. So everybody else who was originally in coach got bumped up to first class, which on United Air Emirates, that's living your best life. Um, <laughs> and um, restoration is there, they believe in the day of the judgment, a day of judgment that the one day the world will end and everybody will stand uh, and in accord to what they have done and how well they performed. Uh, they do believe that there's a heaven and a hell and depending on how you did in that life that's you will go to one of those two places. Um, and and how you are saved is you, are, you adhere to those five pillars and the Quran which is their their holy book which is actually a, com a, uh, a compilation of the two times that Gabriel came and spoke to Muhammad um, and it's got a lot of a lot of interesting things in there um, but this is what this is what it says in their Quran and they're broken up by chapters I think there's 114 chapters in their book they're not broken up like books like what we have 114 chapters um, and uh, and so this is what it says about salvation and it's surah which is another word for chapter 23 10, verse 104 to 5 uh, in the day of judgment they who balance, whose balances shall be heavy with good works shall be happy. But they whose balances shall be light are those who shall lose their souls and shall remain in hell forever. So out of what I'm, out of the research that I've done, it is very performance-based. You, you need to step up. You need to, you need to adhere. You need to do these things. Um, so what is, what is the difference? between the two of us. Well, Jesus is being one of the big ones. They believe that he was a prophet, but not the level that Muhammad was. Um, and, and they actually believe that Jesus wasn't crucified. And, and, and I could have just filled up the references from, from their book to try and do it, but um, to save time, they believe that he wasn't crucified. Um, and for our faith, everything is based on Jesus dying. 
everything lands with Jesus' death on the cross. Because if he doesn't die on the cross for our sins, you and I need to go find some sheep and some bulls and start, you know, sacrificing. Like, that's, that's, that's the weight of Jesus' death on the cross for us. Because he paid that ultimate, ultimate price. Um, I have another one in here. The Holy Spirit, they see both Christians and Muslims see the Holy Spirit as counselor. But where Muslims see it, the Holy Spirit is actually more of a tool of Allah where what we believe is that the Holy Spirit is actually part of the Trinity. He is God in and of himself. And salvation, this is, this is the big one, is that repentance for us, salvation is repentance and belief in Jesus in the death and the resurrection of what he did. That's how we are saved. He paid the price. Guess what? We could not perform well enough to make our way into heaven. We fall extraordinarily short. I think for all of us who follow Jesus, and we need to come to a place some point in our lives where we realize how short we fall. And I don't mean that as a guilt trip. I don't mean that just to make you feel bad. But I don't think our lives change, our posture changes until we realize how short we come. For example, who here has ever scored under 50% on a test before? I'm putting my hand up because I have. Talk about coming and realizing how short you have fallen. How short you come in your performance. So imagine then, let me put this into perspective a little bit for you. What Jesus did is he said, this is a test that you could not pass. Let me do it for you. So he did that for us. Here's a couple of random questions that came to my mind while I... Uh, was doing this. What's the Dome of the Rock? You, you all seen this picture before? You seen this building? Yeah, a couple of you, most of you. Um, has anybody ever been to Israel, just out of curiosity? One? Oh, sweet. I want to go so bad uh, one day. Um, so this, this, this beautiful building here um, is a shrine. Uh, one of the oldest Islamic uh, buildings in, in, in the world. Um, they, they believe that this is where the Prophet Muhammad ascended to heaven. This is, this is very important ground. Um, it's interesting because it's also the place where Jews believe that Abraham prepared uh, to sacrifice his, his son Isaac. Um, so you're already seeing, you realize already with historical sites why there's been so much tension in the past that religion causes people to do unimaginable things. And when you have a place that's so important to two religions, um, and I'll get to the one where it kind of has some weight for us Christians. Um, but you already see like why this, this place is so important. Um, and the other is that it's actually built on the Temple Mount. So you all read the story about how Solomon built this amazing, beautiful, wonderful temple. It was, they believe, right there. Um, and uh, and it also after that temple was destroyed where they believe the second one was built as well. Um, so there's a little bit of... If you, if you ever want to do your research and look at like why there's been so much tension in the past between Christianity, and, and I'm not saying that, um, I'm not saying who's at fault here. Christian did unimaginably awful things in the name of God. And that's another conversation, but there's a lot of, lot of important things here for both. Um, then that black square thing, I didn't get a picture of it, um, but this is called the Kaaba. I think that's how you say it. Uh, and this is what they believe to be center of the world. This is ground zero 
for everything with the gate of heaven directly above it so like this is this is almost like uh mount olympus for the greeks you know uh at the very top you know where zeus and everybody hangs out that would be for them what what this is for muslims um and it marked the lake uh the marked the location where the sacred world intersected with the profane um and the embedded black stone that they believe is in that that big square thing uh, was just a further symbol of this as a meteorite that had fallen from sky and linked heaven and earth. So here's the part that I had the most difficult part in prepping for. Uh, how do we engage with them? I, I need to be really honest with you. I don't know. I, I actually have no idea. I googled this. I read into it. I looked for stories. But um, as in many religions, they, uh, they, so here's a couple of interesting facts. My first thing was like, oh, well, I'd invite them over to my house and, and maybe we'd have a meal together. We'd hang out. We'd grow in a relationship together. All of that. Interesting though, I, I don't think a Muslim would actually come to my house. Do you know why? It's because I have a dog. And dogs are actually ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. So they actually probably wouldn't come over to my house. It's not because they're rude. It's just like, that's important to them. Um, and and they, they wouldn't come. They, they won't accept a Bible. They will not take a Bible from you unless they ask for it. They just won't. That's, it's just what they're trained, how they're trained, how they're raised, how they're um, equipped in, in their beliefs. Uh, they, but they'll gladly give you a Quran. So, hey, next time, just ask for one. And just flip through it. Like, seriously, if you have a friend, a Muslim friend, or, or you somehow, somewhere bump into one, um, and, and they just happen to have one on them, you know, but ask, uh, seriously, and just read through it. I find that so interesting. And not only that, but you'll like show that you care enough to listen. The Quran, Q-U-apostrophe-R-A-N, or some people call it K-U-R-A-N. Um, and, um, but the other part of this is, is that they'll use every opportunity to promote their faith. But with the baggage of history, it's carried through. How we, the church, have handled ourselves with other beliefs and other worldviews, guess what? We're kind of paying the price for that today. And it's not just in the area of, of, of Islam or, or Seventh, not Seventh-day Adventist, um, uh, Mormons or, or, or any other one that we've talked about. It's just, we're broken humans and we need just to listen. You need to be willing to listen to your neighbors. This is the last one we're going through. Um, and, you, and so the only reason I have that, that one way of engaging with them is prayer, is because that's all I think we can do at this moment until God gives a doorway and an opening in relationship to actually engage and have spiritual conversations with the person of Jesus. So here's one way, though, I have seen and have heard and have discovered Muslims coming to Jesus. And it's the, in the experience of a dream and visions that fall into these following categories. Jesus speaking scripture to them in, this, in a dream or in a vision, and even scripture that they have never heard before. Jesus telling people to do something. A dream or a vision that led to a feeling of being clean or at peace. Or a man in white physically appearing. So if you were to take all of the dreams that we are, we are hearing stories of, these are the four categories. So I want to tell you a story of somebody that I've... I, I came across. And 
if this is and, and like take the source whatever material out of this if you want to this is just this is what's happening there's a really interesting YouTube video if you want to go watch it it's called ooh I don't remember it's something about the wolf and uh, in, out of the wolf's mouth or something like that and and um, if you go just hear this this is what you should YouTube because I don't remember the name go to Iraq just YouTube Iraq Christian movement and this will come up there's two there's one that's like an hour and then the second one's like an hour and a half and it's literally telling stories of how the mosques in Iraq are empty because Jesus is appearing to Muslims and they are giving their life to him like imagine in all places where these other sacred cultural places of worship are empty because people are giving their lives to Jesus and it's costing them everything their family, their societal um, currency, everything. But they give it because Jesus meets them. And here's a story. And this is from the perspective of somebody else, because this is my friend, obviously. He says, a friend of mine tells of a Persian migrant who arrived at a refugee center at 6 a.m., visibly upset. He told his story to a Persian pastor. During the night, he saw someone dressed in white raised his hand and say, stand up and follow me. The Persian man said, who are you? The man in white replied, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the way to heaven. No one can go to the Father except through me. He began to ask the Persian pastor, who is he? What am I going to do? Why did he ask me to follow him? How shall I go? Tell me. In response, the, bat, the pastor held out his Bible and asked, have you seen this before? No, he replied. Do you know what it is? No, he said. The pastor then opened to the book of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The man started crying and said, How can I accept him? How can I follow him? So the pastor led him in a prayer and peace came over him. The pastor then gave the man a Bible and told him to hide it since Muslims in the camp could cause him trouble. But the man replied, the Jesus that I met today, he's more powerful than the Muslims in the camp. He left and an hour later he returned with 10 more Persians and told the pastor, these people want a Bible. No one had to teach him on evangelistic strategy. If you don't know what to do in any people group that we have talked about, pray and all you need to pray is that people would have an experience with Jesus that this amazing book talks about the Jesus that came lived and died so that we might be free from our sin this has been a ton of fun I've really enjoyed even if anything just doing the study for this um, but here's where I need your help we uh, and and the teaching the Foothills Youth teaching team we need you to actually participate in the next one we need you to Go into your life group rooms after you've discussed and actually start filling out things that you want to talk about at church that we don't talk about at church. Because Jesus is good, he's real, and he wants to change lives. And I think that there's things that we begin to see breakthrough in people's lives if we just start conversations. So let me pray. And life group questions are at, the, at that chair at the back. Father in heaven, 
thank you that you are a personal God you show it by the way that you relate with with the other members of the Trinity through your son Jesus and through the Holy Spirit and, and actually what I, what I think is the reason that you made us wasn't, wasn't just so that we would serve and obey you, but because you, three in one, shared such a beautiful, amazing love between the three, you wanted to share that. And so you made us. And we don't get it right most of the time. But you sent your son Jesus. And you made it right for us. So Jesus, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the love of the Father. Teach us to know you not just facts but you personally who you are and who we are so that our souls might be renewed and that the people around us might be renewed as well so thank you for this time together I pray that you would be blessed in our conversation and grow us, not just numerically, but in our walks, in our spiritual maturity, in our emotional maturity, you know, in every way. When we are calling us to obey, I pray that we would see your kingdom come. Here in Calgary, here in the attic, here in the 5-6 room, here in whatever life group that we're in, as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus. <laughs>